right, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for being here. Uh, we're going to get in the mess in just a second here, but if I haven't met you, my name is Mitchell, and I'm the lead pastor here at Antioch, and just so glad you guys uh, came this morning. Like Larry said, if you are new or newer and not yet connected here, just stop by the Next Steps area right after the service just for five minutes. Let us shake your hand, and we have an additional gift for you. So if you don't want to shake my hand, just get the gift and then say bye. But uh, we like giving gifts here at Antioch. Um, but yeah, stop by. And then a little quick kind of housekeeping note. Um, we have a team of people that we call the Pillars. Everybody say Pillars. Okay, so we had a little bit of a name change about a month ago. Um, but Pillars are in our church are those that pretty much support the work of God here and that are committed to serving in our church. And there's kind of four commitments of what we call Pillars. They pray consistently, serve joyfully, give generously, and invest relationally. And pretty much what I want to say is Really, we want everybody in our church that comes here on a Sunday to at least pray about becoming what would we call a pillar in our church. You know, uh, I'm going to be unpacking this over the next several weeks, but, you know, church is so much more than just something to attend on a Sunday, right? You know, you know we want to expand this to actually be real relationships. That's why when some of you guys come in and you're newer, you see people, like, actually, like, as if they know each other. It's like, right, that's exactly what we're trying to do here at this church is create a family where of real relationships where we walk with one another. That's why we always announce the life groups um, every single week and invite you into that. Of course, there's a group of people in this room that you're still checking things out and you're not quite sure if this is your home church, and that's totally fine. But you got, like, you know, two or three months. <laughs> I kind of give this grace period of like, all right, are you in or not? But take your time praying through this. But we really want to pretty much invite you, but also communicate. We need more pillars. Our church is growing, and we need more people volunteering and serving. And so a couple things related to that um, is if you are brand new and not kind of on our pillar team, then next week we have the intro to Antioch, and so that's a good first step. But then two Sundays from now, we're having a kind of pillar gathering, lunch, and also uh, we're utilizing that as a volunteer training for those that are serving in different capacities to train them on how to volunteer effectively. There's simple ways to do it. Just come in a little bit early to greet people as they walk in to helping with kids. We've got some incredible kids workers that are working hard right now taking care of 30-plus kids. And um, we've got an awesome worship team, people down there in the, back there in the sound booth. So anyways, plenty of ways that you can serve here at Antioch. And so would love for you to perfectly consider that if you're not already a part of our pillars. That's happening two Sundays from now at lunch that we'll provide and a little training. Sound good? Got it? All right. Okay, you guys ready for the message? All right, if you have a Bible, why don't you turn to the book of Ephesians because we're going to be spending a little bit of time there this morning and really the next couple weeks. Also, before I get started, I want you to look up at the balcony. Look at those balcony uh, sitters up there. Let's give it up for the balcony crowd. <laughs> Man, thank you guys for being willing to do that, and I'm glad we did. I uh, just made some more space down here for everybody else. Um, but so we're going to be spending some time in Ephesians over the next couple weeks. And um, this morning marks week one of a new series that I'm going to title Health of the House. Health of the House. And in short, <laughs> sorry, I also see the graphics for the first time when I preach too. So that's cool. Good to go, Lindsay. Great. <laughs> That's funny. Health of the house, and in short, what we mean is we're going to be talking about what does it mean for this house or this church 
to be healthy. And the key passage is in Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. Let me read this, and then a little bit later I'll unpack it. But Ephesians 2, 19 through 22 says this. It says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. I'm going to read that again. That's pretty amazing. So here's what God's doing through building his house. He is building us to be a people that uh, is a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. How many of you guys want to be a part of a church or the house of God that the Spirit of God dwells there? <laughs> he's present. He's alive. He's felt. He's near. He's not far off in distance in the clouds. We're talking about a present God, a live God, a living God that we're talking about. And, oh, my, I, I just long for that to be true among us is that his Spirit dwells in our midst. You know, there's one person I for sure want to come to church on Sunday, and that's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I want him to be here. Amen. So I'll come back to that in a second, but let me, let me back up and give you a little bit of backstory of why we decided to do this series. So in praying into 2023 and praying specifically about our church and asking God, what are you saying about our church? One of the phrases that came to mind was pretty much phase one of this church plant has been completed. And some of you are like, wait, this is a church plant? <laughs> Have you guys been around forever? Because that's what churches are. They're just around forever. No, actually, uh, people plant and start churches, and they sacrifice their life for it. But anyways, I know a few have done that. And um, anyways, I was so encouraged by the Lord just speaking that to me. And another way to say that is I just feel like the Lord over the last, we've, last three and a half years, about three years um, when this church started, has just been so faithful to help us lay a foundation. And I just believe the Lord has graciously given us a strong and a healthy foundation in this church. Praise the Lord. And looking ahead with this kind of imagery of foundation, I'm just committed and I'm kind of just doubling down again. Whatever we build on this foundation, I want it to be really healthy. So the house that we build on this, I want it to be a healthy, healthy house. Now, you've heard me say this before if you've been around Antioch, but I would much rather have a healthy church than a big church. Okay? Now, hold on. <laughs> Because, you know, the reality is, though, that a one, not the primary, but one of the signs of health is growth. Again, it's not the primary sign, but it's one of the signs. And we are growing. Okay, let me ask a question. Please just respond. Just a sh quick shoot of the hand. How many of you guys started coming to Antioch when we were in this building? Okay, raise your hand. Just raise your hand real quick. All right, look around, look around. All right, all right, all right. Great. It's like almost half. We used to not have this building, okay? Uh, we have had it, we've had been doing services less than a year in this building, okay? Anybody remember the Holiday Inn? Yeah, let's go. Bye, Holiday Inn. I don't want to see you again. Anyways, it was such a gift, such a blessing, but I'm glad that's done. And, um, yeah, and just, you know, we're growing, and I want to make sure we grow healthily. And before I move on about talking about healthy growth and just health of the house, let me, I want to honor a few people that really kind of just sacrificed maybe a little bit more uh, in that phase one of laying the foundation. Let me give a few shout outs here. I think of the crew of people that moved uh, from Texas in 2019 to help us plant this church. I think of the BRs. I think of the Joneses. I think of the Tarenkovs. I think of the Reams while they were single. I think of Maggie and Anna and Kirsten. 
You're welcome, Sam, Victor, and Mason, <laughs> that we brought single girls to plant a church with us. You're welcome. <laughs> All three of them are married now. I think of the, the people that didn't move with us from Texas but jumped in right away, pretty much end of summer of 2019, when we were doing launch, uh, launch team meetings in the Fayetteville prayer room. I think of Victor, who has just jumped in so selflessly to lead us in the presence of God so consistently. I think of Olivia, Jenna, and Emma, these little besties that just came and jumped right into our church. So thankful for y'all. I think of the first... Um, crew of college students that went to the fall retreat 2019 in a little, a little bit outside Little Rock. I think of Cade, Arden, Mariel. think of Coleman and Cassie. Just thank you for sticking with us through all these years. I think of Max, who's been playing bass from birth, and I just, I don't know how you still have your fingers, bro. Where are you? There you are. I think of Thomas, who I got to meet by at the airport, it's just coming in with such intentionality, loving people so well. I think of Jonathan Maddox, who's continued to serve, being a blessing to so many of us. And I think of the crew kind of very end of 2019, and right when we started the services 2020, I think of Joy Casillas, wherever she is. I think she's serving in kids. I think of the Pauls and the Greens that have so faithfully opened up their home to just give space for so many people to encounter Jesus. So thank you guys. Can we give it up for this amazing crew of people? Of, of course, there's so many more of you that I could honor, but just that, that early, those early stages, pretty vulnerable time, <laughs> you know, pretty risky to jump into, like, this is nothing, but we believe it will be something one day. So thank you for trusting us, and thank you for sticking with us from the beginning. Love you guys. All right, let's talk about how to have a healthy house or a healthy church. Now, uh, as we talk about this, I, I do want to be clear that, and kind of almost like address the sober reality that it is possible to not have a healthy house. It is possible to not have a healthy church. Okay, if you ever wonder that, go to the very back of your Bible, read the first three chapters of the book of Revelation. Jesus is giving some honest feedback to a few churches, and there's only one or two of them that he only encourages. The rest he uh, rebukes, and he gives really serious warnings, even to the extent of, if you don't change, I will remove your church. Ooh, somebody say, yikes. <laughs> Those are the words of Jesus. Read it. Revelation chapter 2, Revelation chapter 3. So to me, that puts in a, a sobriety in my heart that I want to take this seriously before the Lord of how we how are we going to cultivate a healthy house here, a healthy church here. And let me go back to that Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, because what you're going to notice throughout today and throughout this series that I'm going to be talking in what I'll call we terms. We terms. And I want you to notice that it's intentional, but look at the we type of words that you're going to see in Ephesians 2, 19 through 20. It says, so then you, which really it should say in the Texas version, y'all. So, so then all of you are no longer strangers and aliens, which don't think aliens, <laughs> just think sojourners or those on a journey um, or foreigners. It says, you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And it says built on the foundation, apostles, prophets, Christ Jesus being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together, everybody say together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together, say together, into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So I'm going to emphasize the we kind of nature of how do we have a healthy church, because in a sense we are the church. 
This building is not the church, though it's a blessing to have a space to meet. The leaders are not the church, though I will say if the leadership is unhealthy, there's pretty much no chance that the church will be healthy. And so that puts the fear of God in me. Okay, but the reality is there is a responsibility on the we, all of us, if we want to have a healthy church. And I don't want to, in our American culture, we are so hyper-individualized that let me just come in, get something for me, and I'll go back to my normal life and leave all the other people alone. Well, the reality is what the Bible says is that we are a household together, and we're building something together, and his presence dwells with us together, and by what we all, in a sense, contribute is going to provide a sense of health to this church body. And I just think of the example, and maybe all of you have had a conversation with a person like this, but I just think of, you know, that person that you're talking to that just begins to go off on how bad another church is in town. They just go on and on and on, talk about it's so unhealthy, it's so bad, the leadership's so corrupt, and all this stuff, and I know what you're thinking. Well, one, I hope that's not you, but number two is you're thinking, wow, hmm, I guess that church is probably healthier now that you're not there, Um, but anyways, I just want us to realize that there is an ownership that I want us to take of if we want to be a part of the healthy church, that includes me too. It includes you too. It includes the person next to you, your right and to your left. And we don't want to be that person that complains about how bad a church is that yet is not willing to help it be healthy. (laughs) Thanks. Now listen, if you're brand new to our church, welcome and uh, (laughs) glad you're here. And um, again, like I said, I'm talking in we terms, and some of you are like, you're not ready to be a we, and I totally get that, okay? So there's no pressure, uh, but, but maybe this will be helpful for those of you praying and considering, is this going to become your church, just so you know where we're going, where we're heading, what we are trying to be and become together, all right? Hopefully that makes sense. So here are the four things we're going to tackle over the next couple weeks that kind of make up what I would call the health of the house or a healthy house. Four things. A healthy church or a healthy house has everyone experiencing God, connected to the body, contributing to the body, and equipped for ministry. Now, again, keep that up there just for a little bit, that I'm going to comment on the word everyone. Okay, if you're, again, you're checking things out, or if you're here today and you don't follow Jesus yet, you're still wondering if God's real and worth following, that's also totally fine. These things don't apply to you yet, but if you're a born-again believer, and especially if you're a part of this local church, then, man, this is what we want. This is what I mean by everyone. And if you're visiting from out of town or something, like you can take these things and say, okay, how can I apply this to my local church and my own context? I want to be a part of a people that experience God, can connect to the body, contribute to the body, and are equipped for ministry. All those phrases are coming out of Ephesians that we're going to be diving into. So today, our focus is that first one, where a healthy church has everyone experiencing God. Everybody say, experiencing God. I hope already you have experienced him, but I'm going to kind of talk about that a little bit more this morning. Let me pray one more time for us and just ask the Lord to speak to us. And so, Lord, we just, we just open up to you, and we ask today that undoubtedly every one of us would leave here knowing we've experienced you. You're a living God. You're real. You're alive, and you're in this room with us right now. I pray, oh God, that you would make us sensitive to your Spirit's presence. And, Lord, I pray that we would live and embrace lives where we experience you daily. So thank you, Lord. Speak to us this morning through your word. Show us whatever you want to show us in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen, amen. All right, let me give you a couple foundational things as I talk about experiencing God. Here's, here's a funny statement. I'm going to say it. God is either real or he's not. There is no in-between. Okay, it's foundational, but there will be a decision that every single one of you make, and a lot of you have been going to church for a while or part of the church, but there is, in a sense, a decision you will make on whether or not he is real or he is not, and there's no in-between. If you're a believer in Jesus, then my encouragement is to, hey, let's live like he's real. Let's live like he's alive. Our faith is so much more than just facts and data and history or principles. There are those things, and they help booster our faith, but it's so much more. We're following a person a person risen from the dead. He's real in his life, and his spirit is among us. I think of Ephesians 3.19. Again, I'm sticking around in, in Ephesians. There's this prayer that Paul prays for this church, and he says this little phrase, like, I want you to know, like, know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. I think it's up there. And so the reason I show you that is because there is, there is a knowing that goes beyond just facts, principles, knowledge, information, or even, I'd say, scriptures to memorize. There is an experiential knowledge in our walk with God. And Paul boldly prays it for his people, and I, I boldly pray that for you guys. We would all experience God that goes beyond just facts and information and history lessons. How many of you guys want more than just history lessons and facts and data in your relationship with God? Anybody in this room? And what's so cool is that He's real. <laughs> he's alive. He's present, and he's here with us. And you might not be able to see him, but I hope that you can sense him. I hope that also you can be convicted by his spirit. I hope you can hear his voice and feel his presence when we gather. And these are all aspects of experiencing God, and I, and I love them. But I want us to also realize that what I'm talking about here in regards to experiencing God is more than just feelings, good feelings, and more than just goosebumps, okay? There's an element of experiencing God that goes far beyond that, because the reality is you can get goosebumps from watching a Disney movie, okay? Some really climactic scenes in some of those movies, and you can just, you can cry, you can get goosebumps, all right? Now listen, we can cry and get goosebumps in the presence of God, but there's more, <laughs> and I, I, and I, I want to I want to ask, I want to emphasize the joy, the excitement, because God is so amazing. It's so great to know a living God. It's so great to experience him. He is so fun. He is so amazing. He's so filled with life. Psalm 1611 says, in his presence, there's fullness of joy. There's been a few times I've been in his presence, and it's just so filled with joy. It's like, this is amazing. But I feel like this morning, I want to emphasize another aspect that is not emphasized as much, that is, that is directly connected to experiencing God. And that's more the side of, I guess, the sober, holy, reverent, almost scary aspect of experiencing God. I want to talk about that for a little bit, though I love talking about this goosebump stuff and feeling the presence of God and all the joy and laughter. I, just, I also want to talk about this because I feel like there's a little bit of lacking in this area of, wait a minute, wait a minute. The more you read scripture, you're seeing stories of people not just jumping around singing and dancing. You're seeing people fall on their face in holy fear, like what on earth, who is this holy God? And I, I don't want us to miss either. So let's talk about that for a little bit. <laughs> One of the things I think about is how God is described as the alpha and the omega. Another, there's a good song that sings that, but <laughs> you guys know what it means. <laughs> 
It's math. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Um, <laughs> algebra. <laughs> no, it's beginning and the end. And you think about the nature of God. Yes, he, I mean, he was before all things, and this is where everything's going is him. But let me apply that to your life. Him being the alpha, the beginning in your life, means you were created by God. Another way to say that is you would not exist if it weren't for God. He made you. <laughs> he allowed you. The very breath you're breathing right now, he's given to you. And he's allowing you to keep breathing. He, is, he holds everything together. And I think about the omega, the end. Of course, again, the nature of God. He's going to last forever and ever. But I think of us, and I think of, you know, our end. You know, this is, I got to chuckle out of this. This is kind of depressing. But in 80 years, 80, yeah, 80, where are we going to be? Tell me about your life. Tell me about all the amazing things that you're going to be experiencing on the earth. <laughs> I don't think anybody, maybe a few, I got a few friends that want to live to 120. But anyways, <laughs> in 80 years, we won't be here. And I was getting some vision for this year, 2023, and I was like, Lord, what do you, what do you have for this year? What do you have for the future? And I started expanding that kind of to, to like more, like, Lord, what do you have for my life? Where's my life headed? And then it hit me. I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! That, isn't that exciting? Got fresh vision for 2023. Going to die one day. Okay? And, you know, it's, again, a little depressing but I, I actually, it, the Lord used it to motivate something in me to make sure that what I do today has at least something actually very directly related to the day I stand before God. Because that is where I'm going anyways. I'm going there. And, you know, <laughs> the world in our culture does a great job teaching us how to have the best life now. There's an amazing job teaching us how to just Make your life so perfect and chase all of your dreams and follow your heart, just like the scripture says. It doesn't say that. Uh, it says follow the spirit. <laughs> okay. Follow your emotions, like it says in second opinions. Anyways, <laughs> we, wanna, <laughs> we want to, we want, we, we are taught over and over and over again, pretty much subconsciously, that this world is all that we have, so therefore store up. Therefore, protect yourself. Therefore, preserve things. Therefore, just chase after accomplishments and accolades in this world because that's all that you have. But Scripture teaches another story. God wants us to be prepared not for our best life now, but our best life then. When we are standing before the Lord, when we are in his presence for all of eternity. This is reality. If you believe the Bible, this is our reality. And in fact, it's our hope. It's our joy that I'm not going to get all that I want in this life, but I can make decisions today that will affect my eternity. And primarily, yes, number one, I am talking about your salvation, your faith in Jesus. And if you're in this room and you've been going to church, but you have not given your life over to Jesus, oh my goodness, please do. Like almost beg you to really consider humbling your, yourself before the Lord and confessing your sin before him and giving your life over to Jesus because he, he's going to embrace you. He loves you. He's going to wash you free of all your, and clean of all your sin. But I know that majority of you in this room are already following Jesus. 
And what I'm referring to about not living for this age, but living for the one to come is actually, it's more than just a prayer you pray one time to get saved. It's more than just the fact you got baptized when you were 8 or 12. You know, it's so much more than that. Scripture teaches us that we will all, as even as believers, will stand before God and we will give an account of our life to him. He will ask us, what did we do with our life? Yes, even for believers. Romans 14 has one of the clearest passages about this. It'll be up here on the screen. Romans 14, 7 through 10. And in verse 12, it says, For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Verse 10 says, Why do you pass judgment on each other? Because it says this, we, For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. And then just two verses later, verse 12. So then... Each of us will give an account of himself to God. What we do with our life as a follower of Jesus does matter. What we do now and what we do today matters. Those that take this seriously actually get to experience more of God in their daily life. Because they are making little and small decisions every day in light of the day they'll stand before the Lord. Their thoughts, their intentions, their plans, their relationships, their words, their actions. They know that God sees all, and so they let him in to all. People that take this seriously have thoughts or responses like this. I'm going to turn away from looking at that seductive image on Instagram and TikTok, not just because a Christian guy told me it's bad, but because I will give an account to God of what I looked at on January 15th, 2023. I'll give an account to God of what I looked at today. People that take this seriously think, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop and I'm going to turn away from meditating on and thinking about these sexual impure thoughts right now because I'm going to give an account to him and because he's with me right now and he sees everything I'm thinking. Those that take this seriously have thoughts and feelings like, I'm going to forgive that person from my heart instead of holding on to bitterness, rage, anger, and hatred not just because I'm supposed to be a nice person, but because God will hold me accountable to how I feel and respond towards every relationship in my life. There is something about this, guys, that I don't want us to miss because we know he's loving, because we know he's gracious, because we know he's full of joy. We need to fear him. We will give an account to the living God one day. And as a leader and as a pastor and a shepherd of this flock, I want you to stand before him with confidence. Not self-confidence, but confidence in his grace, that by his grace, you didn't live a life of, of kind of playing games. Where I know God, but, you know, I'm not letting him into every area of my life. Oh, man, I want us to have a, a, a sober and a humble and a broken, yet confident in God standing before him. And I was journaling and praying this morning, and I don't always do this, but I've done it a few times, and I just, I'm going to read this prayer that I prayed over us this morning uh, in my time with the Lord, because I think it just helps you guys know what I want for us, and when I say us, I mean us. I want this so badly, and I'll be held more accountable than all of you. I said, Lord, I give you church today. I know there's a lot of things inside of me that I want to share this morning. 
So I hope you guys plan to be here till noon. Anyways, uh, <laughs> just kidding. Through it all, Lord, I ask that you, that the conviction of your spirit would fall, that you would grip us with the fear of the Lord. And that what you did, I had an experience with the Lord on Thursday as I was preparing, just feel like he gripped me with the fear of the Lord. I said, Lord, would you do that for at least one person in this room today? God, please cause a revival of repentance in our church. Oh, God, I ask that no one in our church would treat sin casually, that no one would compromise, that no one would live in deception or wickedness or sensuality or making excuses or provisions for the flesh. Oh, God, send your spirit in a fresh way today, God, and this whole year. Let your glory fill this temple. Let it feel like you are actually real and actually here with us. Just more prayers that I'm just communicating with you guys. And again, I love talking about the joy of the Lord. I love talking about the, the peace of his presence. But there is also this el other element that I don't want to skip over. Because I think when we embrace the fear of the Lord, when we embrace the, this element of experiencing God, <laughs> it's like an open door that gives you even more access into experiencing his joy and his life and his peace and the, and the freedom of following him. So one more thing I want to share, then I'll kind of wrap it up with hopefully three memorable things from everything I'm spewing at you today. One thing that I think will be helpful in like letting this land a little bit deeper is not just this foundational truths that we're going to stand before God one day, but like actually understanding the real gospel. Okay, and in my opinion, the best kind of gospel passage is Ephesians chapter two, verse one through ten. Again, sticking around Ephesians, I'm going to read it. I'm going to break down a couple things because I, again, especially those of you that have been following Jesus, I want to make sure you understand the gospel here. And there's certain elements I just don't want us to skip, okay? So here we go, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. says, you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, everybody say, but God, <laughs> being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages... He might show us the immeasurable riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. Say, it's not my own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Isn't that an awesome passage? Just so amazingly beautifully depicts the gospel but let me go over four kind of points from this because I don't want you to miss some elements of the gospel because each of them build on each other and it makes each of these truths so much sweeter so look at the first four verses sorry three verses okay glance at that in your bible or on the screen the for verse one through three that's not good news <laughs> do you do, look at it just look on the screen or on your bible okay we were dead in our sin. And you know, let me give you a, a paraphrased version of the next couple of verses. You were following the devil. <laughs> okay, sorry, I'm laughing. But uh, <laughs> you were just doing anything that felt good to you 
and you're giving in to all of the lusts of your flesh. And the trajectory of that life, you were leading a life to experience the righteous and the justified wrath of God. Now, let me just pause. I just, because there have been those that have taken these truths and yelled it angrily at people, I feel like in the church we have swung the other direction and have decided that it's better, especially at church on Sunday, you know, it's mo- in the morning. I haven't had my second cup of coffee yet. It's cold. I just want to be cozy. You know, it's like because of that, we don't want to read certain parts of the Bible. And I've just been thinking, I shared this briefly last week. I've just been thinking about this little phrase Jesus said where it's like, hey, if you're ashamed of me or my words, I will be ashamed of you before my father. And scripture is so clear that we deserve hell. Okay, let me tell you something. There's a lot of voices out there that say hell's not real. Don't talk about it. There's no judgment. There's no consequences for your, for your sin. Okay, okay. If you, if, you, if you only listen to podcasts, you might come to that conclusion. If you read your Bible, there is no way you will come to that conclusion. <laughs> okay? And that convicts me of like, okay, I like podcasts. I listen to them. And so, so I, just, I just don't want us to be afraid of some of the things that Jesus said because we know he's so loving He's so gracious. He's so gentle. But he is clear. He is clear that wrath is to come. Now, again, how we apply these truths, how we communicate these truths are with a spirit of humility. We speak the truth in love. Okay? So I don't agree with a form of saying these truths where you're shouting angrily at people as they walk by. I don't, I don't agree with that method. But it doesn't mean that some of the things are true, are not true. There are consequences to our sin, and we need to repent. And, okay, so here's why I want to share this with you guys, a room full of people that are believers in Jesus. At least most of you are. The grace and the mercy and the love of God is so much sweeter when you realize what you deserve. I have prayed this prayer this week. I'm like, Lord, I don't want to be a church that ever grows tired of the gospel or we get bored with the fact that you radically pulled us out of such destruction and following the devil and all the the consequences that go with that and a broken, messed up, jacked up life. I never want to be bored with the fact that you saved me out of your abundant mercy and grace and you washed me clean and I can stand before you with a pure and clean conscience even though I have a lot of sin and junk in my life. But I could stand before him. I just just don't ever want to... ever want us to be bored or tired of hearing the gospel again oh it's such great news today you're forgiven i'm clean i'm washed i'm made new oh it's so good man thank you jesus i was not following jesus one time in my life for 17 years, I was so lost. I was so broken. I was so empty. I had no hope. But Jesus saved me. And that is true for you, even if you grew up in, your church, in the church the whole, your whole life. You were lost. <laughs> even pastor's kids, they're born lost. <laughs> Full of sin. <laughs> yeah, we know it well. 
Man, and then, you know, verse 4 obviously takes a turn when we get to think about his mercy, his love, his grace. It says literally for the age to come, like forever, for probably millions and billions of years, he's going to be reminding us and showing us how gracious he was to us. Okay, so I I think I have like like zero understanding right now, but but I am thankful. (laughs) But for all of eternity, I'm going to be gaining understanding of how gracious he was to me. And just also verse 8 through 10, or 8, 9, just make sure you understand that you didn't save yourself, and it wasn't because of something you set up in your life that you got saved. It is a gift from God. It is his mercy. It is not by your works. And even when I talk about the fact that we're going to stand before God and give an account, I'm not talking about you proving why you should enter into heaven. That's not what I'm saying. Okay, salvation is a free gift. Entering into heaven is, praise God, a free gift. But there are certain things we will be doing in heaven, not just floating around on clouds, and one of the things that seems like in Scripture, read 2 Corinthians 3, read the rest of Romans 14, you're going to see like, okay, there are rewards and there's con- lack of rewards for the way we live our life as a follower of Jesus. And then verse 10 just talks about, hey, we've been radically saved by him, all of us, and now, verse 10, we walk with him in the things that he has sovereignly prepared for us to walk in. Isn't the gospel great news? So good. All right, and then verse 12 and 13 of Ephesians 2, just kind of another repeat. It says, uh, remember that at that time you were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Isn't that great news? And then verse 18 says this, for through him, through Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. And great, you see that picture of the Trinity there. By the work of Jesus, his sacrifice on the cross, through him, we have access in the Holy Spirit to the Father. And that's pretty much what I'm talking about today, is we get access to the Father. We get to experience him because of all that he's done, because of this reality of how real and alive God is, and then we humble ourselves before him. All right? So here's how I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to give you three hopefully memorable things that are elements of experiencing God. You can write these down. You can take a picture of them. They'll be here up, up here on the screen. And I've talked about a few of them already. But elements of experiencing God, number one, fearing him. Number two, spending time with him. And then number three, enjoying him. All right? So fearing him. Here's a, you know, I've, kinda, I've pretty much t- talked about that for the last 30 minutes. <laughs> okay? But this is an element of experiencing God. You know, he sees you and he knows you. And hopefully that would lead, one of the things that that would lead to is a, a commitment to repent and to turn from sin. That we're not being a, those that mess around casually with sin. But we, we address it, we call it what it is, and we turn away. And we're taking it seriously. Spending time with him, we talk about that a lot um, I would say it's one of our number one encouragements for any of you uh, in our church, really any believer, is, hey, let's, this is the only way we really get to know God is that we spend time with him, okay? And um, also, I, I would add, it's really the only way that we stay on the narrow path. The more we stay connected in his word, the more we stay grounded, and then we're able to walk the narrow road. Now, a lot of people are like, hey, yes, I, that's a good idea, spending time with God, but what on earth does that mean? Do I need to, like, I don't know, <laughs> float up to the sky? I don't know. What does that look like? Well, I, I realize we talk about it so much, but, I, but we don't have a clear resource of, okay, how do you do it? Okay, we talk why, we talk a little bit about, you know, like, when can you do it? But there's a, why don't you pull out your phone if you want this? It's also going to be sent out on our e-news, but there's a little uh, QR code. You could take a picture of that real quick if you want to. 
And um, also some of the life group leaders, you can take a picture of that and send it in your life group, group meetings. But what that is is a little resource on pretty much a way or how you can spend time with God. Or what are some things you can do while you're sitting alone with God, okay? So hopefully it's going to be super helpful for you. And last but not least, other than fearing God and spending time with him, we also want to enjoy him. The more we experience him and fear him and spend time with him, like he becomes our best friend. And it's such a gift. We do everything together. Look at what Psalm 24, 14 says. It's kind of connected to all three of these elements. It says, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. And he makes known to them his covenant. Keep that, uh, you have that Psalm 25, 14 up there? It says, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. And he makes known to them his covenant. Isn't that amazing? It's, it's like a great verse that connects some of this stuff. It's like we, we want the goosebumps, we want the good feelings, we want the friendship. Yeah, it's so fun to follow Jesus. Okay, that wee, is for those who fear him. Okay, and let me, let me do it again. I'm going to jump again, okay? The, the, the exciting, joyful, woohoo with God is for those who fear him. All right? <coughs> and he makes known to, to us his covenant. Isn't that great? It's beautiful. It's amazing. So what I mean, a couple more things I mean about enjoying God. It's, it's talking to him throughout your day. It's listening to him throughout your day. It's doing random things but with God. It's laughing together. I just remember this bike ride I went on, on around the, it was on the Greenway, but around Lake Fayetteville. And I was just talking to God and just, I don't know, I was just full of joy. And I was enjoying the presence of God. I passed all these kids and everyone's looking at me like, that guy's crazy. <laughs> but I'm just enjoying the presence of God. There's this um, guy in Genesis named Enoch. Anybody ever heard of Enoch before? He's this character in, in Genesis and he just has such an intimate relationship and friendship with the Lord. And I'm like, man, I want that. Just watch and talk with the Lord. It looks like saying thank you a lot to God when you're driving, when you're doing your dishes, uh, when you wake up, just, just fellowshipping and enjoying the presence of God with you all throughout the day. All right, let me have the band go ahead and come on up. But you guys, can you remember those three things? Everybody say fearing God. Yeah. Say spending time with God. Yeah. And say enjoying God. There we go. All right, the band's going to come on up, and we're about to close out. But let me... Um, let me share one more thing, and then I will um, have us respond in worship. I'm going to tell you a little story of um, a time that it was, it was a Christmas break that I was in college. I've shared this maybe once or twice, um, but we just ended up pretty much a Christmas break, and so I was thinking about this story. And it was cold, and I was home alone by myself. And at this point, I was already following Jesus, had a relationship with him. And I remember I was, had the fire on in my parents' house, and I, like, had a, I, I don't know what I had. I didn't drink coffee yet, <laughs> so maybe hot chocolate. Had a warm drink by the fire. I was just coaching up, having a sweet time with God. And then I started thinking about the fire, and then I started thinking about, oh, yeah, Scripture says that Jesus has, like, fire in his eyes. I was like, oh, where is that? The book of Revelation. And I should have known as soon as I started going to Revelation that the feeling was going to change <laughs> in my experience with God that day. I was like, this is so cozy and comfortable, and then Revelation, like, oh, snap. Anyways, <laughs> so I'm looking at Revelation um, chapter 2 and 3, and it's, I referenced it actually at the beginning of this sermon. He's giving these, this feedback to some churches, and one of the churches, it starts off with this description of Jesus, like, hey, he who has fire in his eyes, whose eyes are like a flame of fire, talks about how he searches the heart and the mind. Then he begins to give some feedback to this church, and here's the thing that it says. This is in Revelation chapter 3. 
He says, I see that you have a name or a reputation that you are alive, but I see that you're dead. I read that. I was like, oh, I was hoping to be encouraged <laughs> today. He said, I see that you have a name and a reputation that you're alive. Like you look alive on the outside, but I see the one who searches hearts and minds. I see that you're dead. And I think in that moment, it wasn't necessarily a rebuke from God to me, but it was like a check. I don't know if some of you guys know what I mean by that, but sometimes you just kind of get these checks from God, like, hey, just be aware. You're not like in a bunch of, you know, hidden and unrepentant sin, but you need to just, just check something real quick. And it hit me that at that time of my life, I was, you know, a younger college student, like maybe sophomore year, but the Lord would give me an opportunity to lead different meetings and prayer meetings and just settings where people were experiencing God. And it, when I read that line in Revelation, you have a name that you're alive. I realized that in my friend group, at my college, I had a name that I was alive. I had a reputation that, wow, Mitchell really knows God. And just what hit me in that moment, this is just me and Jesus in my parents' room by the fire. A prayer came out of me and said, Lord, I want to be more alive on the inside than I appear to be on the outside. I want to be more alive in there. Your eyes like a flame of fire that just pierce through everything I can do on the outside. I want to be more alive there than what anybody can tell on the outside. It was, that, it was just this check, this, this recentering that I am living for the eyes of God. I am not living for the eyes of man. And there's something about that story that I hope resonates with you, and even you can pray that prayer. You can steal that prayer. Lord, I want to be more alive on the inside than what anybody might ever think about me on the outside. The world does a great job teaching you how to look great on the outside. The Lord is looking for those whose hearts are faithful and loyal to him on the inside. So here's how we're going to respond this morning. Some of us, maybe you just need to come clean before the Lord again, and in a sense, recommit your life to him. There's no shame in that, but it's committing your life to living before his eyes and not the eyes of the world. Maybe there's something specifically that you need to come and repent for and lay down. Some of us, maybe you're really hit with the reality that we're not called to chase our best life now, but we're called to prepare for our best life then. Maybe you're not living in sin or compromise, but when you really evaluate the goals and the plans and the hopes and the dreams of your life, a lot of it really has to do with this life. And Lord maybe wants to help you rearrange that. And some of us just need to worship God and ask him to encounter you again, to experience him again, to grip you with his presence, and to convince you again how amazing and real and alive he is. So let's stand to our feet. We have some of our life group leaders go ahead and come forward just to make yourself available to pray for some people. If you're up there on the balcony, I don't know if there's a couple leaders up there, y'all can just make your way to the side and, and pray, or if you guys want some prayer, you can go ahead and come on down here. But pretty much, I'm just, I'm just going to pray for us, and I really just want us to just be reverent before the Lord as we're worshiping, and if any of those things resonate with you, like, hey, I want to come clean. Some of you, maybe you just need to come down here and just kneel and just worship God. <laughs> and just as we're starting off this new year and starting off this new semester for all you college students, just, man, let's, let's start with, hey, we're going to be real before the Lord. We're going to experience him. We're going to know that he's real and alive. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead, just, just close your eyes and try your best to quiet your heart, quiet your mind, just to be aware of him in the room.
you want to begin just to whisper to him and say, Lord, I want to experience you today. I want to live like you're real. I want to be thankful for the gospel. I want to fear you rightly. Oh, Holy Spirit, come in this room and fill this place. Just like Ephesians 2, 22 says, would this be a dwelling place for you, God, by your spirit? We're not just going through motions. We're not just eager to be done with the service. We want to meet with you, God. Stir that hunger inside hearts in this room, Lord. Lord, come and have your way with us. I pray there will be no blockage, no hindrance, no, no hardness that gets in the way of what you want to do in us this morning, Lord. Come have your way, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Come receive prayer if you want. Come kneel at the front if you want to. Just worship where you are. Just to connect with God.